Rob Faye filling in here on the Jeff MacArthur Show. Happy to be joined by Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. We are talking monkeypox before the break, but let's focus right now on COVID-19 and the changing mandates or the loosening up of certain things in certain places. I said at the beginning of the show, doctor, I wasn't 100% sure where we were at. So before we get into the finer points, if I'm just thinking about booking a flight, if I'm thinking about getting on public transit, where are we at in the province as far as the mandates and and just the, the policies in place so that I can operate and live a normal life? Well, let's put it this way. I would love to say, let's go back to the normal we once knew, but I can't help but learn a little bit from what we've been through. So mask mandates have now expired in Ontario. Of course, that that's again, you know, there's a debate about it. You talk to the head of the science advisory table, whom we're paying for, and the Ontario Hospital Association, ditto. They say it's too early, but never mind. We've gotten rid of the mask mandates. Now, they're still required in hospitals and long-term care settings and congregate living settings. You know, but basically anywhere else, a person no longer has to wear a mask. Now, if you're traveling on an airplane, you still do. For now, we're not sure how long that's going to be, but I'm deeply concerned about that. I'll share with you. Anybody going to Dr. Iris Gorfinkel's family practice had better put on that mask. And if you don't have one, fine, we'll give you an N95 to do that. And why do I say that? Because public health's job is to be the voice for the voiceless, to make sure that we don't infect patients inadvertently in our small enclosed public space. We know that it travels by aerosols. We know that vaccine immunity is not that great when it comes to Omicron. And never mind, less than half of Canadians have that third dose that's actually completely important if you want to have protection from Omicron. We're fortunate that two doses prevents so-called severe disease. But I put out there, with that risk of 1 in 15, that's what we're facing now, 1 in 15 risk of long covid with Omicron, that can't be dismissed, plus the fact that so many older people, so many of them, are months from that last dose, meaning that their protection from Omicron will be fairly minimal. Now, yes, they're protected against hospitalization, but there's lots of bad disease that happens that doesn't require hospitalization, as any family doctor will tell you. You know, I'm trying to phrase this question the right way, because I I think I know where the buck stops when it comes to, you know, regulation and mandates. But I would imagine it's probably really heart wrenching for you to know the facts, to know the realizations of what this is and to have so many in society say, you know what, I'm willing to roll the dice because my quote unquote freedom is, is worth taking that chance. I mean, we're not out of this pandemic. A mask is such a small ask. And let's not conflate ideals here. You know, I, you know, who doesn't want civil liberties? This is not about that. This is about keeping people safe. What civilized societies do and what good public health does is just that. I mentioned the voice for the voiceless. Stepping up to the plate to try to not just protect those individuals, but protect ourselves. Most of my patients you know, battling long COVID are actually young. They're not older people. So even from a selfish perspective, it's pretty difficult to go to work if you have brain fog, if you have trouble sleeping, and yet you are fatigued. So these are the kind of things that I'm facing. 
and cost it will. You know, we talk about public health costs of hospitalization, ICU and deaths. I'll share with you, I firmly believe that when we look back on this whole experience of the pandemic, the cost of long COVID will far exceed that because these are ongoing costs for these individuals. You throw in the cost of time lost at work, time lost at school, and the suffering done by these individuals, that cannot be just dismissed. Okay, I want to bring two worlds together here, because when I look out the window and I see gas tipping its toe into the $2 per liter range, one of the things that I do now generally take into consideration is, am I going to take my car or am I going to take public transit? Is public transit doing enough to keep passengers safe, especially with the climbing numbers? Yeah, public transit is a big question mark, because the problem is it's basically a free-for-all. It's every man for themselves. And I I hate to put it that way, but, you know, you get on that subway and it's rush hour. I don't, you know, it's shoulder to shoulder. It's an enclosed space for a prolonged period of time. Now, we know an N95 mask, in my view, they should just be given out at the subway stations. You want one? Just take one, put one on. Make it easy for people because that N95 is going to block four out of five cases. Push me against the wall. Fine. It doesn't have to be an N95. If it's a surgical mask, you'll block two out of three cases. Why are we not doing this? Why is hand sanitizer not easily available at every single point that it could be? Because these are the kind of things that can and should, will make a difference. I I don't think we can just ignore them. So it's sad to say, but, you know, you see too many people not masking up on transit, too many people just completely ignoring the rules. And they do so not only at their own peril, but at the peril of their loved ones. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, family physician, vaccine researcher, founder of Prime Health Clinical Research. I want to switch gears here, doctor, and talk a little bit about moods and depression because I thought this was interesting across my desk just yesterday. New research suggests that it's not just the brain telling the body what to do, but that the communication is bidirectional. Let's talk about that a little bit. What, uh, how does that impact mood and, and in particular depression? Absolutely. So there's so many things that impact on mood. And I I, I tell my patients, think about it in terms of the basics in life. This is not, most depression is not a Prozac deficiency. What we need to have is a whole checklist of things to make sure we stay healthy mentally. Exercise, a connection to nature, meaning in our work, a loss of helplessness. You know, making sure that we connect with good counseling when it's needed. Now, that's in serious short supply right now, but it's still not impossible to have. That exercise piece, you know, minimum 20, 30 minutes a day, that's going to improve the sleep. One thing holds hands with the next. And we know that all of this reduces the likelihood of having cancers. It reduces the likelihood of, of our immune system being suppressed. So these things are not theoretical. They make a big difference. And there's been some fascinating research on exactly how exercise makes a difference. I like the name of this protein. When we exercise, the protein irisin is produced. How do you like that? I wish I could take personal credit, but I can't. But irisin makes a big difference. It's released by the muscle, and that helps memory. So all these things interconnect. One helps the next. 
Doctor, before I let you go, let's talk about the impact that exercise has on dementia, because that is something that I think is near and dear to many families in Canada. Uh, The struggles that come with having somebody in the family that battles dementia, exercise plays a piece in the, uh, I guess you would say, the help of this, I, I guess, challenge that many families are facing. Absolutely. And this is what we're learning, that exercise actually helps to regenerate neurons. Old school. We used to say, oh, you're born with a certain number of neurons. They die off as you get older. In the aggregate, that's true. But what happens is that exercise can actually regenerate some of those neurons. And on top of it, it calms down inflammation. So inflammation is a big word, and it's associated with a lot of nasty outcomes. So when we exercise, it reduces overall inflammation, which can reduce cancer risk. Also, exercise improves the ability of neurons to communicate with one another. Who would have thought? But those are three ways, by regenerating neurons, by calming inflammation, by improving that communication between neurons, that it actually decreases Alzheimer's risk. And they've done those research studies to show that that area in the brain the hippocampus actually gets just a little bit bigger. It gets pumped up when we've exercised. I have taken you to many places today. We've talked monkeypox, mask mandates, health, dementia. I appreciate this. You are a woman with many skills. Thank you for making time for me today. Many thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. No problem. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel stopping by here on the Jeff MacArthur Show. Um, Boy. You know, the one thing I will say is I don't like going on one side of the fence or the other when it comes to, you know, mask mandates and monkeypox. Everybody's their own person. But I also understand the fact that, you know, COVID-19 for what it was and is, I shouldn't say was in past tense, was hidden. You could be walking down the street and not know who has it, who doesn't, unless somebody's like hacking a lung off on the side. But monkeypox is an interesting one because if this progresses It's going to be real interesting to see how people feel about getting vaccinations when all of a sudden there are uh, physical lesions on one's body. Uh, Maybe not for something you want to listen to during (laughs) during the lunch hour, but uh, definitely challenging in the days ahead. Uh, There's a lot going on. So much more. I'm Rob Faye filling in on Jeff MacArthur's show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.